Oh my god, I'm actually going to finish this thing. Start recording. My Spectacular Life. A memoir in the key of storytelling by Thomas Rose. Chapter 6. Oh fuck, I forgot to come up with the title for Chapter 6. Stop. I have to redo this part. Um, chapter six. Six. It's about closure. Closure. Rosier. <clears throat> okay, edit back in now. Let me just spike for the levels. <gasps> chapter six. Rosier. Now, as you recall... I was trying to start an island music festival by calling random phone numbers. Most of them hung up, but one didn't. And she had the voice of an angel. I should clarify, she wasn't a phone number, she was a woman. And she was all woman. We talked on the phone for hours. Well... I did most of the talking. Whenever she chimed in, I would cut her off. That's how excited I was to talk to her. She told me her name was Hannah. A very interesting island name. <laughs> I like playing around with it. Hannah. I told her I feel so strongly about you, Hannah, that I am going to send you $10,000. I want you to use that money to fly to New York City and come meet me in person. She then went on some long monologue, but I wasn't really listening. I was in love. Plus, I had those pills in my ears. She was going to come see me in one month. I decided to plan a big romantic gesture. And what could be more romantic than a surprise wedding? I know it sounds a little soon, seeing as we'd never met in person, and I hadn't asked, but I had never been so sure about anything in my entire life. When she asked me for my address for when she was going to come see me, I gave her the address of a venue. A wedding venue, to be precise. It was going to be like a fairy tale. The Princess and the Piano Man. I made all the arrangements in secret. I sent out RSVPs to everyone I could think of. I didn't try to invite anyone from her family, because I didn't want to spoil the surprise. The day finally arrived, and I was as giddy as a schoolboy. A schoolboy who was getting married. Can you believe it? Thomas Rose, famous playboy incel, was finally going to settle down. Everyone was at this wedding. The priest, the staff, the band I had hired to play my album front to back at the reception, and then, of course, the guests, my mom, my dad, and 150 empty chairs. There was only one person missing, my beautiful island bride, Hannah. I waited and waited and waited. I was starting to grow impatient. I feared the worst. Was I being stood up and jilted? 
by the love of my spectacular life? My mother was sobbing. My dad was trying to leave. It was a nightmare. Then my cell phone rang. Bring, bring. It was Hannah. I let it go to voicemail because I hate talking on the phone. The voicemail that she left rocked my world. She said, hello, Thomas. She was always saying that. But then she said she wasn't going to come into Manhattan today. She said she looked up the address I had given her, which I said was my apartment, and found that it was a hotel. She said she found this very creepy and that most of our conversations had been off-putting. She said she was never going to come meet me and offered to return the $10,000. She finished by saying she was going to stay in her homeland, which the locals referred to as Long Island. Hannah was gone. I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. How could this happen? I was sure that we were in love, but she had abandoned me, just like Edward. Something about this wasn't adding up. Even in my devastation, I could realize there was a conspiracy afoot. I tried to talk to my parents about it, but they had already left. They left the wedding of their only kid? I called my mother to scream at her, and she told me that they'd just gone back to their room to take a nap. That's when I put it together. Kid. Nap. Hannah had been kidnapped. Now this made sense. No woman in her right mind would pass up a surprise wedding she didn't know about. She must have been abducted. I called the police. I told them the whole story. And they laughed at me. Police hate musicians. I got in a cab and went right to my cocaine dealer. Then I went to the airport. I was going to go to her homeland of Long Island and solve this thing myself. When I got to the counter at Delta, the very rude woman suggested I just take the Long Island Railroad. Yeah, a train to an island. Good one. I may have been from the Midwest, but I was not stupid. After I screamed at her for about 14 minutes, she finally booked me on a flight. It would go to Philadelphia and then non-stop to the Long Island MacArthur Airport. The flight from Philadelphia was surprisingly short, but it felt like it took an eternity. My wife-to-be was missing. I deplaned and left the airport and emerged into a strange and foreign land. Luckily, the people there spoke English, though they had a very interesting accent. I got into a cab and told the cabbie to take me to the nearest bar. Hopefully, they would take American currency. I went into the bar, gun blazing. 
They told me to put it away. I asked the bartender, where the fuck is Hannah? He said, who? He was playing dumb. I'm not sure how long this island was, but it seemed like the kind of place where everybody knew everybody. He asked me to show him a picture. I told him I didn't know what she looks like. He laughed in my face. Why do people keep doing that? I stayed in the bar for hours, interrogating everyone and getting blackout drunk. Unfortunately, my investigation was going nowhere. I tried to think of a new lead. I thought, who is involved with crimes? Then I remembered drug dealers. I started walking around various streets until I found one. I asked him if he had Hannah. He told me no, but he did have Molly. I bought as much as I could afford. The investigation had stalled, but I felt incredible. I kept trying to think, where would a woman be? It was 4.57 in the morning when I had my greatest idea yet. Women love shopping. Maybe Hannah was being held at a shopping mall. I got into another cab, and when I was done throwing up, I managed to get the driver to take me to a mall. The malls on beautiful Long Island don't look too different from the ones on mainland America. There was only one problem. It was closed, but that wasn't going to stop me. What if my fiancé was in there? I grabbed a potted plant and threw it through the door and barged in. It seemed empty in the closed mall, but Hannah had to be there somewhere. I knew that women loved Sephora, so I went in there and started breaking every bottle I could find to try and get the kidnapper's attention. That's the last thing I remember. The police woke me up hours later. I was covered in glass and beauty products. My skin that wasn't bloody looked incredible. I told the police officers I was a famous American. They said they already knew who I was. It's always nice to be recognized. I passed out again and woke up in an American jail. I must have been extradited at some point. I had to go back to court. Ruthless Ruth failed me this time. I tried to convince her to use the I was looking for my fiancé defense, but she wouldn't hear it. I started calling her Toothless Ruth, and she dropped me as a client. I had to represent myself, and I did a terrible job. Most lawyers can read. In the end, the judge threw the book at me, so I threw my flip-flops at him. That made things even worse. I was sentenced to rehab. I said no, no, no but I still had to go, go, go. I'd hit the end of my road, and that road was a boulevard of broken dreams. Hey, that's a good idea for a song. I went straight from the courthouse to the facility. It's funny how being led to rehab in handcuffs will make you decide it's time to get your act together. 
It took me a while to get used to rehab, but I decided I had to make the most of it. So I started offering free daily concerts to everyone at the facility. Not many people showed up, though. They were giving me my space to heal. I had to have these one-on-one meetings with the counselor. I hated the meetings. They were always about my drug use and never about my singing voice. But one day, my counselor came up with an exercise. He asked me to write a poem about my addiction. At first, I told him that this idea was stupid and that he was stupid and that by genetics, his kids were probably stupid. But then I realized poems are basically just song lyrics. If I could write a poem about drugs, that could be lyrics to a song. A song with lyrics by me, not that no good Edward. I decided to work harder on this poem than anything in my entire life. I would put all of my experience, my whole heart, every bit of talent I had into this thing. This song was going to put me back on the map. The song I wrote was called Dear Drugs, and it went a little something like this. Dear... Fuck. Um, Okay, this is going to last edit. Oh my god, I'm going to nail this. Okay, Spike. (gasps) Dear Drugs, do you miss me? I haven't seen you for so long. So I wrote a little song Do you hear it all night long? Ketamine, amphetamine Heroin and cocaine You made me go insane But I never did complain When I think about it, I suppose That drugs were the thorn in Thomas Rose. It was a masterpiece. I cut a demo using my phone voice recorder and sent it to Julian Fox from the record label. His assistant informed me that I should never contact him again that I was done in the music industry. He was clearly playing hard to get, but still, I decided I was finished. If the music industry didn't want the most beautiful song of all time, then maybe I didn't want to be a part of the music industry. Hell, I'd had a long career. I was 21 years old. I don't want to get too maudlin and nostalgic, but I started to tear up in that rehab facility as I thought about my whole history with music. It all flashed in front of my eyes. Playing the piano in my parents' house as a little boy, my dad begging me to let him get some rest. Playing at the grade school talent show and breaking the little ballerina girl's leg backstage to make sure she didn't upstage me. The high school battle of the bands where Edward let me down. Recording my first album and finding magic in the studio when I tried crystal meth for the first time. 
going on tour and seeing this great country and all the opioids it had to offer, checking into rehab and writing a song called Dear Drugs that the record label hated. I remembered all of it, and it had all been good. I decided that once I got out of rehab, I was done with the industry forever. I'd given it everything I had, and it had taken everything from me, and that felt like a good place to leave it. It was time for me to retire from the public eye and become a private eye. That's right, my new plan was to become a detective. My first case would be to finally figure out who kidnapped Hannah. It might get a little messy, but hey, isn't life a little bit messy? That's the end of my spectacular life. A memoir in the key of storytelling by Thomas Rose. I've been Thomas Rose. Good night and good singing.